welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm Heather McFadden, your host, and this is where we get to hang out and I get to introduce you to some people and some resources, and then you remember that you don't mom alone. In this episode, it is the first one of our fall season. It's number 332, and I get the honor of chatting with Sharon McMahon, better known as her Instagram handle, Sharon Says So. You're good at what you're good at. And guess what? Your children, you are the perfect parent for your children. Yes. And your children are meant to grow up with you as a, as a mom, that is their journey in life. And if you're working outside the home, it is their journey to watch a mom who achieves and works hard and goes after what they want in a career path. If you're somebody who is staying home with your children, it is your children's journey to have a mom who stays home with them. And both of them bring something, a unique experience to your children. My mom stayed home with us. My husband's mom worked and he does not view his childhood experience as diminished in somehow because somehow because his mom worked outside the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't view my childhood experience diminished because my mom stayed home with us. We just had different childhoods. So a little behind the scenes on this interview, right before we started recording, I saw that Sharon was going to be on Good Morning America right after. Like, our interview ends and she's on Good Morning America. And I was starting to feel stressed for her and started to feel pressure. Like, I've really got to make sure we end on time. Like, I mean, I'm opening for Good Morning America. And so we go through the interview and at the very end, I was like, okay, well, hopefully you've got enough time to get ready for your interview. And she said, oh, how it's pre-recorded. They're just releasing it today. And I was like, <laughs> that's good information. Okay, so who is Sharon that Good Morning America would want to interview her? Well, basically, last September, she kind of had a viral video happen where she, as a former government debate high school teacher, shared a nonpartisan explanation of the Electoral College as we were all heading into this very divisive election. Well, it kind of launched her into becoming our government teacher. And she now has over half a million, might be more than that now, followers on Instagram at her Sharon Says So account. And she, her group is called Governors. They not only talk about how our government operates, and she teaches all of us, but she presents nonpartisan news and helps us become consumers of news without getting pulled to either side. She also is just doing good for humanity. Her personal experience a year ago, her mom, yay moms, we don't even talk about this in the episode, but I'm just telling you, her mom donated a kidney and that kidney was part of this donor chain that allowed her husband, who had been in kidney failure, to receive a kidney. And so with that came a lot of medical debt. And so she has partnered with a medical debt relief mission and raised like millions, like 50 million of dollars worth of medical debt relief through her governors. And she continues to do amazing things. She just raised a bunch of money to give grants to teachers. And so all that to say, 
I'm thrilled to share her with you today. Today we talk about how to walk these tricky roads of divisiveness in families and in politics and how to be a fact finder and then also just motherhood, her mom's story, being a teacher and having her kids in childcare. And I hope it's an encouragement to you as we're heading into the school year, as some of you are heading back into the classroom. I just think she's great. And stick around till the very end because we're going to have a little fam chat uh, based on what Sharon said. Also have some info on you being a part of my little team to get my book out into the world. So uh, stick around for the end of the episode to hear more about that. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go. Sharon, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Honored to be here. I When I got the email back that it was a yes, I freaking flipped out. <laughs> I didn't know it mattered to me so much, but it does. So thank oh, you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. In a time when we needed you so much, everyone, you showed up mm. with your personhood. And it's like an invitation to all of us moms to take our interests, take our personalities, take where we are and what tools we have and just serve it up. I love that. So I love thank that. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. It's so great. I love that. And um, here's the deal. We uh, as moms are in a lot of different relationships. And in the last year, they've become a little bit divisive. Mm-hmm. And you've modeled very well how to stay factual, truthy, truthing. That's not a word. Truth, truthiness. Truthiness. <laughs> no. And compassionate. And like non-divisive. So a lot of moms want to know, they want to get tips from you. And I think some of it comes from your previous job. So kind of guide us in that. Tell us about where you came from and where you got these skills. Well, I've been a government teacher for a long time. And one of the sort of um, guideposts that I always used is I wanted to help guide high school students to be critical consumers of information. And part of becoming a good critical thinker is not being force-fed information. It's mm -hmm. not being told what to think. It's being taught how to think. And so if I wanted to help guide critical thinkers, I couldn't just serve up on a plate what they need to think about the following topics. Mm -hmm. I needed to present multiple viewpoints of, uh, of, a, of a topic because there are always multiple viewpoints that are valid to somebody. Now, does that mean that every viewpoint is uh, based in facts? No, it doesn't mean that we accept things that are not true as fact-based. But for example, let's say you want to talk about um, how should we divide up a state into voting districts? You could make a solid arguments for a variety of different viewpoints, right? Yeah. And we can't just say, well, we should you know, let whales decide for us. That is not going to work. There are some things that are not realistic. We, and we have to acknowledge that, yeah. but it's totally possible to say, okay, let's look at this viewpoint. What are the pros and cons positives and negatives of this method versus this method versus this method. And that I think is a lot more valuable than just saying, here's how it should be done. Mm. And that's, that applies to so many things. It applies to so many things, but that process, I feel like 
there's so many things that separate us from the generations that come before us. Mm-hmm. One is the, the presentation of information. Yes. Whereas our grandparents or our parents, they would assume that everything was given equal view. Mm-hmm. And we could then be critical thinkers of this information. Now there's a little bias and intentional bias, intentional bias (laughs) to to get more dollars. It's always motivated by the money. It's no longer legislated that you have to be, remain unbiased. So how do we, with this next generation who I feel like have all the information and almost the assumption is it's, it's biased. Mm. They don't believe that anything's a fact. How do we help them determine what is fact? Besides saying, because Sharon says so, it's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nobody is infallible. No one. And so that is one of the, that's something we all have to be aware of, that there's no human who is the sole arbiter of facts. Some people are better at researching. Some people are better at teasing out what is fact and opinion. That's a skill they've developed. But I, I don't think it is wise to just look to one human me or your favorite political pundit or anybody and just be like that person 100% of the time i believe every word out of their mouth it is still your job to consume and figure out using your own brain the own skills in your head to determine whether or not that aligns for you yeah. and whether or not that actually is an accurate depiction of your feelings or viewpoint so there i always caution people don't take one person's word as gospel because all humans are fallible all. So that is, that's important to know, including yourself, Yeah, including yourself. So don't also think that your opinion is always 100% correct and fact-based because all humans fall prey to untruths. Sometimes something sounds believable and we want to believe it. And it sounds like what we think. And so we're just going to go with that. We have to be willing and be open to um, being willing to be wrong. Flexible thinkers. Yes. And if somebody, if you like to be right, which I do, (laughs) (laughs) um, the fastest way to be right is to stop being wrong more quickly. The fastest way to be right is to stop being wrong more quickly. Stop clinging to that raft of wrongness so that you can start being right faster. And and kind of that pride of like, oh, but I already said this, so I've got to kind of keep defending it. Like the the humility of being like, oh, I I may have been wrong about that. Absolutely. We are, we often view humility as a weakness Mm -hmm. and we criticize it in others. We criticize other people. We criticize political leaders who change their mind about something. Mm -hmm. And in reality, we should applaud somebody who examines the information and says, listen, um, I got new info. I didn't realize this before things have changed. The situation has changed from the last time I talked about it. Um, I'm now over here and I used to be over here, but I'm now over here on this issue. We should applaud that. We should say, thank you for carefully reconsidering that information and making a new, a new decision. I mean, imagine if we, you know, let's, let's go back in time to, you know, 1852 If we imagine, if we said we made the decision, slavery is legal. It is what it is. That's the decision. We're sticking with it. Imagine if we had stuck with that position, 
We had to, we had to be willing and able to change our minds and mm. we're better off for having changed our minds. Yeah. So having the humility to say, huh, I did not know that. <laughs> that was, that is interesting. Okay. Like I'm reconsider. all the Texans that follow you. <laughs> I'm like not every... from Texas, but I live there now and I've birthed four Texas boys. And when I shared that with them, they were like, what? what? We Say what? We can't secede. And y'all, if that's shocking information for you, you haven't been following Sharon says so. <laughs> My apologies for dropping that without any kind of intro. But yes, these kinds of truths can kind of hit us hard, especially mm -hmm. when we've been fed false information by people in authority, teachers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. parents, all these people in our lives are telling us something mm -hmm. and it's hard. It's hard to be like, no, wait. Yeah. My mom said that you don't go see a doctor if your toe's broken. <laughs> right. Right. We have a lot of ego wrapped yeah. up in yeah. our opinions. Right. And that is it is human nature to feel uncomfortable when our ego is checked. Mm -hmm. It is human nature. And so it's not just you. Yeah. You're not alone in feeling like, Ugh, I did not like that. I don't, <laughs> I don't approve of that. Um, you're not alone in thinking that, but it is a skill that you can get better at. You can tolerate, learn to tolerate those feelings more readily and be will, and you can develop that humility and that openness and that flexibility to examining new information. That is a skill you can develop. The amount of information that we are expected to consume and digest and process today is so much different than it was when my mom was my age. When, you know, like I think about what my grandma probably knew about current events. It was she may, like she may have watched 15 minutes of the evening news once a day, maybe, you know, like while, while she was cooking dinner, maybe my grandpa had it on in the background. Um, she maybe glanced at some headlines in a newspaper, but she definitely did not sit down and be like, I'm reading all these newspapers. I'm consuming all this news. I'm analyzing the facts. I'm, you know, distilling the data. That was not something previous generations were expected to do. And now the amount of information that is coming via this, what I refer to as the space-to-face -face pipeline which is our phones, mm -hmm. right? Like it's mm -hmm. coming from a satellite onto <laughs> our phone and into our face. Yes. Um, the amount of information is what somebody like my grandma would have been expected to consume, you know, in a month we're consuming in like yeah. a, an hour or a day. So it's, it's challenging. Okay, where are my lazy razor buyers? I'm raising my hand because I'm the worst. I never remember to buy them in the grocery store. And then the ones I do have, I when I go to use them, they are rusty. They have two blades. They're terrible. So I steal Bruce's razor, which he does not love that I do that because it dulls it for him. Um, but the men razors seem to be so much better. So when Athena Club reached out and they were like, hey, could we sponsor your show? I said, yes, because one, lazy razor buyer, they're going to mail it to me. And two, it's so pretty. They said, what handle do you want? And I chose like the rose gold with the pink. Super pretty. So everyone in this house is clear that that one belongs to mom. And 
they sent like shaving cream with it that's really nice. It's super dreamy, shave foam. It makes my skin even softer after I shave. What's really, really great is the razor kit is only $9. It comes with two blade heads, a magnetic hook to keep it in the shower. Again, you get to pick your own handle color and there's so many options. You never have to worry about running out of refills or being stuck with the dull blades or stealing your husband's because you can choose how often replacement blades are shipped to you for free. That means fresh, ready-to-use razors always arrive right when you need them. So show your skin you care with the Athena Club Razor Kit. Sign up today and you'll get 20% off your order. Just go to athenaclub.com. Use the promo code DMA for Don't Mom Alone. That's Athena, A-T-H-E-N-A, club, C-L-U-B, dot com. Use that promo code DMA so they know I sent you to get 20% off. And from different sources. Yes. Like Uncle Bob, Mm -hmm. Sally, and then these celebrities. And it's like, who, what? And then I feel pressure. Like I'm supposed to have an opinion on everything as someone who has some sort of following. I'm like, oh, there's a big news story. I better share something about it. And these moms that I'm trying to help not feel alone are overwhelmed. And you, you are mom. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your children and talk us through, like help us out. (laughs) Well, I'm never going to hold myself up as some kind of um, expert mom. I'm a, a mom who struggles just like all moms do. And so that is a feeling that all moms can commiserate on it's, I have not achieved some pinnacle of mom success. It is, you know, it's a struggle for me, just like it is for everybody. So don't cast me in some kind of light of like, well, Sharon has it all figured out. I think think what moms that a lot of listen have kids right in the preschool, some toddler just entering elementary. And so just giving them a vision of the future is often just like a little, you've at least done what I've done that. I got yeah. through that. Yes. Yeah. So how many, how many kids? I, ha- I have four kids that are 19, 16, 14, and eight. And so yes, college to third grade. And so I have done the, you know, baby toddler preschool uh, situation of several times. And I will tell you that when your kids get older, I mean, everybody knows that there is there's a rough period in, in, in like middle and early high school. It's a little challenging. Um, I think most parents of teens will say that. But once your kids get kind of past that a little bit, like my son, who is just turned 19, we have so much fun together. Mm. And he will just text me you know, random things off his phone and be like, I found this picture from the, of the dog from a year ago. And it was a real cute. We communicate with funny videos. We text each other, funny videos all the time. Um, it is so fun to see them. You're like, Oh my gosh, it worked. It worked. It all worked. <laughs> like you're, you're a good human Yay. and you're smart and I oh. like you, you know, like yeah. it's, um, it is so gratifying to get through those, you know, like having a baby and a toddler and a newborn, like that is rough. Absolutely. Having a 13 a year old is rough in a different way, but it is 
it's so great to get kind of to the other side of that and to see like who they become as humans and that your all of your sacrifice and hard work was worth it. Were you a high school government and law teacher while they were in school or while they were home? Like, tell us about your mom career journey. Cause there's a lot of gals that listen are trying to navigate that piece. Yeah. I started teaching when I was right out of college before I had kids and then had had my kids while I was a teacher. So, you know, dealt with the very challenging aspect of teachers have a very unique situation when it comes to things like maternity leave, because you can't just it's not easy for teachers to take time off. It's not easy at all. Somebody you're legally responsible, the school is for those children. And so it's not like an office job where we can just set this project to the side until somebody returns from maternity leave. Like somebody has to be educating these children. And it's that is an easier said than done feat. So you will see a lot of teachers try to have children um, in April, May, June, like a lot of teacher babies born during those months so that they limit the amount as much as they're able, obviously limit the amount of um, time off that they have to take. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching is also very unique, a unique job in that so much of it is expected to be done. The work is expected to be done outside of your work hours. There is because you're responsible for the children in your classroom, you don't have time during the day to teach the classes, plus prepare for the classes, plus grade all of the work. There's just no teacher will tell you there is adequate time in the day to do all those things. Mm. So that becomes challenging too, when you have a young children to manage the planning and the grading, which most teachers do at home while you're working during the day. So I did I'm getting sweaty. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Sharon. I mean, I see you doing these videos now as you're putting on makeup and I'm like, she is the multitasker extraordinaire. <laughs> and so I'm guessing you do have like innately a skill at multitasking and some of us are better <laughs> wired at. I admit I am not as great of a time manager as some of my friends. And so mm. they are like swinging full-time outside the home jobs and making great memories with their kids. They're doing all the things fantastically. And I don't compare and feel less than I'm just like, way to go. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good at what I'm good at. You're good at what you're good at. And guess what? Your children, you are the perfect parent for your children. Yes. And your children are meant to grow up with you as a, as a mom, that is their journey in life. And if you're working outside the home, it is their journey to watch a mom who achieves and works hard and goes after what they want in a career path. If you're somebody who is staying home with your children, it is your children's journey to have a mom who stays home with them. And both of them bring something, a unique experience to your children. My mom stayed home with us. My husband's mom worked and he does not view his childhood experience as um, diminished in somehow because somehow because his mom worked outside the home. Mm. Um, And I don't view my childhood experience diminished because my mom stayed home with us. We just had different childhoods. If you live in New York city, you're going to give your children a different childhood than if you live on 40 acres in rural Arkansas. It doesn't mean that one child had a bad, a bad adolescence or a bad childhood. And one child had a wonderful one. They're just different experiences. And that is how it's meant to be. 
Yeah. And there's not one way that's going to turn out one type of adult. No, no. No. So what was your support system like as you're doing the grading and the, like, who did you (laughs) lean on? How did you not mom alone as you were Mm -hmm. doing this? Yeah. I mean, I have a great husband who is, was always very supportive and always, you know, like his normal was that, you know, like mom's work. That was his normal. He yeah, he'd already that. been kind of set up with that kind of mindset. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he didn't, he did not arrive into our relationship with this idea that I would do all the things. Mm. Um, he was, you know, act, a very active participant in taking the kids places, making dinner, you know, putting them to bed, all of that kind of stuff. So um, even though moms do tend to be the default parent, just because uh, babies often want their moms, you know, there, there's just that kind of like, um, well, for whatever reason, it could bi- biology, <laughs> so, society, babies want moms. You yes, know what I mean? Yes, yes. Um, especially if you're nursing their dad can't really help you with that. Yes. You know what I mean? Like babies want you. Um, so to the extent that he was able, he was always very um, active participant, but I had help to watch my kids. There's yeah. no, there's no, I mean, what am I going to do with these kids at while well, I'm teaching high school? Like they needed to go to daycare. Um, and they did. And we had a wonderful daycare person who was this, um, delightful woman with two grown children of her own who was from Ecuador. And she had this uh, delightful daycare at her house. And my children still, including my 19 year old still talk about Martha and what a wonderful cook she was. And they have such fond, fond memories of her that I don't, I don't think that the time they spent with Martha was harming them in any way. They loved, they loved it. They thrived. She cared about them. They still remember her fondly. They still are like, you remember when she used to cook this thing? Like that her cooking was like (laughs) deep impressions in their mind. And there wasn't um, this like jealousy for you because no. you are connected to your kids, obviously with your story of a 19 year old, this didn't yes. steal that connection. And no. so, yeah, one of my listeners asked, what were some ways you did spend intentional time or connected with them as they were growing? Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the nice things about teaching as a career is that you do have school breaks off and you do have summers off and, you know, off is a bit much, you know, like you are expected to do a lot during that time frame. but it was really nice to be able to spend their school breaks with them yeah. more, you know, like in a yeah. more concentrated setting. So, whereas some moms, they could roll, you know, you work in a retail store, you can reliably punch out when your shift is over and go home and not worry about your work. Whereas with teachers and other, some other careers, that's not an option. You have to do some of your work at home. But then one of the trade-offs is like, yeah, we're going to be off for 10 days at Christmas time, or we're going to be off for six weeks or eight weeks in the summertime. So I always, we always try to plan some trips and do, you know, fun things together when we were, when I was off of school. Yeah. And it seems like your personality tends towards making fun, like having fun as mm-hmm. a theme. Yep. So that tone in your home, possibly, I would think would be a warm and inviting place and any time that you are together. Mm-hmm. Is this Was that intentional? That's just how you're wired and it worked for your family and the people God gave you. Mm-hmm. I love to laugh. 
That's like <laughs> part of my snare, you know, like I yeah. just, I'm kind of a little bit of a silly person. I love I, it. I will so always yes. make a joke at my own expense. If I have the opportunity to, I often laugh at my, I'm the person I laugh at the most. Your lemon, <laughs> your lemon swimsuit. Y'all, can I please point you to the highlights? Please, please. If you need the best guttural laugh is Sharon in a full body. <laughs> Ankle to neck to, to wrist swimsuit of lemons. Is that right? It's lemons, right? Mm -hmm. it's yeah. lemons. I can't get the picture out yeah. of my head. I see you right now in it. Is that awesome? <laughs> I had um, three or four swimsuit companies contact me after that, Stop. wanting to know if I would Stop. also like model theirs. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm the farthest thing from a swimsuit model one can imagine. You know, like I'm from Minnesota. I'm, I, my skin is very, it's vampire. Like I have tons of cellulite, you know, like it's there's, you would never pick me as like, that is who I want representing my swimsuits. But it, it made me laugh that like, this is where I am in my life now is that apparently I need to be a swimsuit model, which never happened. I'm not interested in that, but but, but you anyway. are okay. Laughing at yourself, creating Absolutely. fun where fun can be had, even on yep. your talking about the constitution and then you're showing whales. I mean, you're, you're enjoying your life. Absolutely. I love to, I just, I love what I do. Um, one of the things that this platform has shown me is that there are absolutely people out there who are your brand of weird. Yeah. Probably tens of thousands of people who are your brand of weird. And we so often feel like there is not anybody else who is as weird as me. There is not anybody else who like has a picture of the constitution and, and a whole bunch of whale paraphernalia. <laughs> and, you know, like there's nobody else as weird as me. And even if there was not another human who was like, my interests are whales, the constitution, bald eagles, American history. Even if somebody had not, would not fill that list out when they watch you enjoy those things very often, they'll be like, I had no idea I was interested in humpback whales, but now I really am. You know what I mean? Like you give other people permission to enjoy what you enjoy. And if it's not right for them, then they can just move along. Move along. You can go, go back into go, watch NASCAR. Like, I don't care what you do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. Watch what, do whatever you want to do. And I'll do what I want to do. And it, again, going back to the motherhood piece of this being part of your brand is you <laughs> invite your children into owning their interests and owning their uniqueness because you aren't trying to mold and shape yourself into the wiggles or whatever the thing is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like if they never hear you listen to what music you love, how are they ever going to appreciate different musics? If it's mm -hmm. music, if it's always about a kid's desire. So yeah, I think I it's, think cool. I think it is cool to grow up with parents who have their own interests, who are good at things. And even if that does not equate to your child's interests and talents, they can still be proud of you. Mm -hmm. And their, their life is still made better by watching somebody with, uh, with unique and varied interests model what it's like to just enjoy that. I'm never going to become a marine biologist. I'm not, you know, like this is not, I'm not going to do that professionally, but I can still enjoy it for in the way that I enjoy it. Yeah. And we, we too often think if you enjoy something, you need to make it a profession. 
Mm. You know, like if you're, Mm. if you're a good singer, you need to be a professional singer Mm. when in reality, it's wonderful to just enjoy what you enjoy doing and learning about for the sake of enjoyment. Yeah. You know, I love to watch mama baby whale videos, you know, like I'm never going to do anything with that other than just enjoy it. Yeah. I get motion sickness on a boat. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I I tried to go snorkeling and got terrible motion sickness snorkeling in the ocean. So I'm never going to do anything with that other than just enjoy it. And I think that that is too often. We expect our passions, our interests to support us monetarily. Mm. And for some of us, they will, some people will be a marine biologist, but for a lot of us, they're just things that are interesting. And for us to enjoy, they enhance our lives. And kids need to learn that it's okay. You don't have to be a professional major league baseball player. You can just enjoy playing baseball. You don't even have to get a scholarship for it. No, nope. nope. You can just enjoy it. Just like you it. just enjoy it for what it, for what it is. It's My so son great. plays, plays college football and, but he knows he is never going to be in the NFL. Mm. Um, he doesn't even have that aspiration. He's like, listen, he, I, I don't mind. College is pretty amazing. It That's is pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 But he knows like, mm, I'm not, you know, like you look at the stats of the NFL players who are like bigger, faster, blah, blah, blah. He knows like, I don't have that, but yeah. he is still, he still loves the camaraderie with his teammates. He still really enjoys working out weird, um, weird That's not like, my people. That's no, not my people. No work yeah. out two hours a day. That's weird to me, but he loves it. Yeah. You know, he's just enjoying it for what it is like enjoying his teammates, enjoying the team atmosphere, enjoying working out, having fun with like a shared hobby. And that's, that's great. That's That's, fantastic. That's perfect for him. They're less likely to quit if there's not all that pressure too. Yeah. Just like, if it's enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. So I only have a few pairs of shoes. I don't have a ton But one pair of shoes that I have been loving are this pair that I got from Rothy's. What I love is that they look fresh and clean in an instant after I throw them in the washing machine. Not only that, they're super fashionable and really cute. And I take them on trips because I feel really stylish and totally pulled together in just a moment. I actually chose like an animal print pattern that has a blue, bright blue stripe on it in the point style, but they have so many new styles that are coming out. Please tell me you have been over to rothys.com and checked out all their different flats, loafers, sneakers. I mean, sneakers would be perfect because you could wash those no problem. And when you get spit up or whatever dirt comes with your kids, you can just wash them right off. They also have bags if you're looking for a bag that's washable and a men's line of shoes that have an artisanal level of detail created with zero waste. Did I mention that? It's good for the environment. So if you want to go check them out, get durable shoes that are cute, that last wash after wash, that have really high reviews, go check out Rothy's and keep it fresh this summer with these washable shoes and bags. Go to rothys.com slash DMA to find your new warm weather favorites today. That's Rothy's, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash D-M-A. 
Do you have any challenging children, strong-willed children? We were talking about changing your mind earlier, and I know that probably they have kind of learned from you to be fact-based and to have that ability to be humble and change their mind. But do you have some that are like real strong-willed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all strong-willed in their own way. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Very stubborn in their so own way. What tips do you have for, cause I know there's moms <laughs> listening with those kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, what is, what manifests as being strong-willed as a preschooler is it's going to manifest differently when you, when they are teenagers. And one of the things that I often would tell parents when I was teaching is that, um, and I've experienced this as well, that what kids are upset about as when they're very young can be very frustrating as a parent, you know, like the wrong color sippy cup. I I didn't want you to cut my sandwich in that shape, you know, like whatever it is. Um, but they're of real, no, they're not of really any lasting consequence, you know, like your kid's going to get over the shape sandwich situation and you're going to move on with your life. Whereas what teenagers can be upset about or have challenges with can have lifelong consequences. And that is one of the more challenging parts of parenting teenagers. I feel like is these decisions that you're making really can impact the rest of your life. So I think one of the things that I try to use is is just choosing what actually is something that I am willing to, what is a hill I'm willing to die on and what are things that I really don't prefer, but ultimately probably will not impact your life decisions or your, your rest of your life. So for example, one of my daughters has beautiful red hair and last year she really wanted to dye her hair purple. And I was like, absolutely not. Do you know how much money people pay to try to get your hair color at a salon? And then they're unsuccessful. We're not, we're not going to like bleach it and then dye it purple and ruin your beautiful hair. And ultimately, um, that is one of those decisions for my family that is like, that is probably of no lasting consequence when she is 30, is her life going to have been ruined because she dyed her hair purple when she was 15? No. You know what I mean? Even though I strongly felt like it was a terrible decision, like, why would you do that? Um, everything cannot be a power struggle. You, everything cannot be a power struggle and you have to get comfortable with the idea that your children will make choices that you disagree with and you can't, it's frustrating sometimes where you're like, but why your hair's beautiful. (laughs) Stop trying to do that to it. It's so hard. And I'm imagining given the topic that you spend a lot of your time talking about, do y'all have like family dinners where there's big debates? Oh, yes. Are there sides taken very strongly? Yes, yes, yes. We have what we refer to as um, McMahon moral imperatives. (laughs) And there are a few things that are McMahon moral imperatives. Like we, that is a a line we are not going to cross. That's not a thing we're going to do. And outside of that, we we can talk about it. So do you share your moral imperatives? Or just within the family, you know, like a few of our like McMahon moral imperatives is that we are not going to be engaged. Like you know, we talk about politics a lot. Um, we don't do name calling. We don't make fun of people's appearances. 
Um, we will, we can criticize their policies all day long because that is the job you sign up for as a Senator or a president. You go into it knowing that your policies are going to be criticized. And that's part of being, you know, living in a democracy is debating these kinds of things. But I, we don't feel like there is any benefit to dehumanizing somebody, even that you, that you strongly disagree with by making fun of their clothes or their hair or the way they talk or, um, calling them names. Um, not that none of that is on the table. That's a, that's a McMahon moral imperative that we can debate policies, but we're not going to reduce people's humanity in that way. So we have some others, but they, they're, they're all along those same, same lines of like, this is the line in the sand. You can go ahead and think that the, you know, top marginal tax rate should be, you know, 78% for people who make a hundred billion dollars. You can go ahead and think that, but we're not going to talk about how ugly their dog is or, you know, like why their, why their wife wears that color bikini. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. I appreciate that. I think that's good. I, uh, so I have a complex upbringing where my dad ran for office five times, Mm, mm. Congress, U.S., Mm -hmm. state Senate, governor, Mm. never won, thought he was Abraham Lincoln, Mm, that he would mm -hmm. then just to win the presidency. Mm -hmm. And I abhorred the whole conversation, all of the debates at the table. Mm. I mean, my mom was a history teacher in high school. So I like... My husband has read all the presidential biographies and he is thrilled that I found you because mm-hmm. I'm finally willing to enter in because the conflict for me has, I just avoid the whole conversation if there's yep. conflict. Yep. And so if we can come to the middle and we can have a reasonable, factual, truthful conversation, I'm in. And so I'm grateful for you. And my dad had passed away a couple years ago. I'm a little relieved that we're not having conflict in the midst mm-hmm. of this last year. I mean, I think that's a little bit of grace that he's up there. I'm here. We don't have to fight about every little thing and I can have good memories. But there are a lot of moms that reached out to me. They were like, how do we come back together mm-hmm. with parents who are mm-hmm. identifying themselves with this political view? And it's ruptured our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I know we have to go, but if you could give some advice for like, coming back together mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. all of this. It's tough. I hear that frequently from people. So I know that that is a very real struggle that people have. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think is really useful is just deciding where your own boundary is mm-hmm. about an issue and lovingly just enforcing that boundary. It does not have to result in a giant blow up with flamethrowers and grenades. It can just like, let's say, for example, you are somebody who you strongly avoid conflict. Like maybe that's your, how you're wired. Like I just, I cannot deal. I'm out. If there's yelling, forget it. I'm done. I'm not going to deal with that. Um, That's your boundary because it is your job, not anybody else's job. It is your job to protect your own mental health. You are not obligated to set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm. So it is your job to protect your own mental health and nobody else is going to set and enforce boundaries around your own mental health for you. So as soon as you can say, you know, um, when I am around these kind of arguments, let's say it's, 
you know, your uncle at Thanksgiving who wants to get into it about some topic that he feels passionately about. And you leave that holiday feeling like, oh, I just, why, why does he have to ruin? Like he essentially ruined your holiday by creating this space in your mind that um, made you feel anxious, upset, worried, angry, etc. So you need to decide where your own boundaries are. There is not one hard and fast boundary that all human beings must um, align with. My family can handle a ton of good natured arguing, not my mom, but like my nuclear family, my mom does not like to argue at all. Um, but you know, like my husband and kids and I, it doesn't, it's not personal to us. We can just be like, that is a really stupid way to think about it. And, <laughs> and then go back to eating pie. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but yes. so you have to know where your own boundary lies Yeah. and then say to that person, um, it, maybe it would be at a time when you're not talking about it at a time when you're getting ready to be like, so excited to see everybody for Thanksgiving. Just want to give you guys a heads up. I would love to talk with you, see you hang out. I am not going to be participating in any political conversations this year, but I cannot wait to hear about your fishing trip and just tell them upfront in a way that is, you know, a non-confrontational that doesn't say because your political <laughs> beliefs are stupid. You know what you're I mean? Idiot. It does, yeah. yeah no because you're an idiot, no right. Um, and do it at a time when it, things are not heated. Yeah. Say it at a time when you're just like, yay, so excited to see you. I'm bringing my pie. I'm bringing mashed potatoes. Just a heads up. Here's what I'm going to be doing. Um, and that way they know where the boundary is. And if they choose to cross that boundary, if they then immediately want to bring up ex politician or why thing that happened in the world, you can be like, Bob, what did I say? I said, I was not going to talk about that. And you can say it in a, you know, a lighthearted way, but that lets them know that you're not going to participate in that. You can then busy yourself with dishes, clear the table, go in the other room, tend to the children, whatever it is you're going to do, but they will learn after a few times that that is a boundary that you have and that you are not going to have that boundary violated. And that will bring you so much peace surrounding your family relationships. When you can just talk about the things that you can talk about without developing all of the anxiety and angst and anger, keep the conversations to the topics that you feel you can handle because nobody is going to protect your mental health for you. And you are no good to anybody if your holiday is ruined because of uncle Bob's tirade. So helpful. Sharon, you're just like a gift, like a little governor angel. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. So, so grateful for you. I know this is going to be an encouragement to moms on many levels and I will connect them to your website. Thank Always you. something new and exciting. Happening. Yep. And so I can't wait to see, I know you have your own podcast. It's coming out soon. The Sharon says so podcast. Yes. And a book possibly. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone's just like, what can we get out of her? <laughs> <laughs> Dumping on this. <laughs> this is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but we're excited for you and just grateful Thank for you. your such a needed voice right now. And Thank so you. appreciate you so much. Thanks Thank for being you. on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks y'all for joining us today. I hope you go check out Sharon's 
new podcast. It launched since we recorded this. She has so many fun episodes. It made it to number one overall podcast in the entire world in like the first week it released. Way to go, Sharon. Also, my book is coming out. I've mentioned it over the summer of mentorship, but if you didn't hear those episodes, it's coming out October 12th. And one way you can really help if you've been listening to this show forever and you're like, I've always wanted to help Heather, but I don't know how. This is how. You can pre-order a copy. And here's the deal. I am going to have like a little launch team party group as part of this book coming out. And I want you to be a part of it. Go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash book. That's don'tmomalone.com forward slash book. And you will see more details there. You will see the book cover. You will see all the different places you can pre-order. And if you go to the Ravel one, like the publisher of the book, Baker Books, you actually get it free shipping and often it's 40% cheaper. So that's an option. But if you sign up there, we have a little spot for you to put your email and your confirmation code that you pre-ordered. I'm going to be sending out starting um, the Tuesday after Labor Day, that first week of September, I'm going to start sending out some emails that it's going to have invitations to join a Facebook group. And I'm going to have really fun giveaways that you don't want to miss out and just lots of opportunities. We're hoping to have a new shirt. So you don't want to miss all those details. I want you to be part of this team. And so I don't launch alone. Join me over there. Go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash book. Okay. I am going to pray for us and our relationships and just, (laughs) I think everyone I'm talking to is a bit, a bit overwhelmed by what's coming up this fall. So, Lord, I come before you and bring whoever's listening to you. I pray that you would overwhelm us with your presence, that wherever we're feeling fear, feel of failure, fear of forgetting something, fear of burnout, fear of... just not being enough for all that's required of us in the next few months, I pray that we would hand you that fear, acknowledge it to you, meet you in that place, and carry one day at a time. That we can trust you for the grace to walk through whatever is hard. I pray that you would be the unifier of relationships as we head back into some relationships that may be strained from the past year, differences over politics, over vaccines, over all the possible places we could be divided. Lord, I pray that we would bring grace, that we would set boundaries where necessary, but that we would remember who we are in you so that we can love others from that place. I thank you and praise you for all that you're doing in each of our lives and in our kids and that whatever hard thing is before us, that we would lean on you for the strength and the wisdom to be who you want us to be for our kids and for our friends and for our family. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing before I go, I want to let you know that in light of all that Sharon shared. As we go through, you know, new episodes coming up, I want you to understand that I'm really comfortable 
meeting and talking and learning from people that hold a variety of views. And so there may be a guest I have on the show that you then go and check out their Instagram or their website and you're like, wow, I can't believe Heather had this guest. They don't 100% align with everything I thought she believed. Yep. That is really hard to do these days. I probably don't 100, I didn't 100% align with my dad on every issue. I don't even 100% align with everyone in my home or all of my friends, and we still hold relationships. So I hope that you can understand that. I trust that if, especially if you're following Jesus, um, that you saints have the Holy Spirit in you and you can have discernment to um, know what you take from a person informationally and what you dismiss. I also hope, I mean, y'all, if you knew what C.S. Lewis believed about hell, we probably wouldn't quote him if we had to align 100%. I'm just saying. So I just want to invite us. That's the kind of space I'm going to host here is a space where we learn from really amazing people that we may not 100% align with on everything. And yeah, that's what we're going to do. Because there's so much wisdom to be had and guidance. And there are Jesus followers that are making a variety of choices these days. So yes, if you are in for that, I love to have you along for the ride. I will meet you back here next week. I'm super thrilled to be back with some new episodes. Great guests coming your way. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.